Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Glamour Hey, It's Okay, your weekly insight into all the things I've got the Glamour office hot and bothered under the collar this week. Uh, I'm James Williams, Deputy Editor, and as ever, um, I'm ably assisted this week by uh, a member of the Glamour team, the lovely Kat Brown, our social media editor. Hello, Hello. Kat. Hi. How are you? I'm exceptionally excited. I can't possibly think why. Oh, I I hear you. We are very excited because, quite frankly, we're joined by a, a VVVIP this week. We are both so excited. Well, for me, anyway, I'm going to fanboy embarrassingly for the next half an hour because this lady's Quite frankly, the Dalai Lama of domesticity. You know, she's my my Angelou of cooking. Uh, she's taught me pretty much everything I know about cooking. It's the fabulous Nigella Lawson. Hey! Does your mother know you said that? Yeah, I need to say, actually, the uh, prerequisite. My mum taught me a lot, and then she kind of handed over, which gave me your first ever cookbook. Well, no, your, not your first one, my first one, Nigella Bite, when I left yeah. the university. And it's been one of my Bibles ever since. Oh, I'm so pleased. Yes, that taught us all, I think. But you must, I, I, I feel like you have, from a, a cooking perspective, quite rabid avid fans i mean i know that from lots of my friends feel the same way that we do do you do you get like quite amazing reactions from people out and about i do and i love it and i have to say because i i'm obsessed with food and i'm a very nosy person (laughs) i i love meeting people who've cooked my recipes and i want to know who they've cooked them for and what they've cooked when and what else they've cooked it with and I think in a way that's why food is interesting because it is always a conversation. But I do love that. And one of the things I've really enjoyed, and you know, people always talk about social media as something that makes us quite unconnected uh, and disconnected. But actually for me, when I see that people have been posting pictures of my food and I see something which started off, you know, in a way, you know, from my kitchen, from my table and on someone else's table and seeing that food become part of someone else's life as well. I find that very moving and it's a very deep connection. I love that. Well, I, you're so natural on, on Instagram in particular, mm. because I know lots of places sort of farm out their social media to other people, but it, it always no, feels I, like it's you, isn't it's it? It's always me, which is why recipe the day is often not till five in the <laughs> afternoon because I've forgotten it. <laughs> But it's, why would I want to farm that out? Because I love that. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's, 
it is. It's not worth doing if you're. If it's inauthentic, then why bother? Yeah. You know, I feel. Um, were you quite an early adopter of the whole social media no, thing? I wasn't. I I was late to Twitter because I felt you know it would be dangerous to me. And frankly, my whole life is like you know one long Twitter feed because I I talk out loud. You know, when I do my programs, you know, and I'm talking and I'm chatting, that isn't just for the camera. I'm like that normally. I give a running commentary on everything I do. Even if it's just you at home on your yes. own. <laughs> and um, so I'm always doing that. So I thought, well, I don't need Twitter because that's how I live. And I also thought it's quite dangerous because you can start saying everything you think. But so I th- then I felt I had to do it, but I do limit it, not just to food. You know, if it's sometimes like a big event, like Eurovision or <laughs> um, you know, football, big championship. And sometimes I do other things and I retweet other people as well. But basically, I sort of stick to food. And Instagram, I thought I wasn't really me because I'm a words person, not a pictures person. But actually, it suits me a lot because I've always photographed absolutely everything uh, I've eaten forever. I mean, in the days when you had to take your... Uh, film yeah. to you know the chemist and they would develop it. Even then, I was taking pictures. And of isn't what it, I, ate. I was going to say, isn't it true that your, your holiday snaps are mainly of food rather than your children? Always, <laughs> maybe one or two of the children. You know, I'm not that bad. Maybe one, ninety nine of you know. T- Tuscan tomato stalls. <laughs> but it all comes together as a really nice diary, doesn't it? Yeah. Particularly yes. on Instagram, well, that's changed. And it must be really useful for yeah. almost keeping a scrapbook of things that you're interested in. And but fancy sort I, but of I was talking this when, to some friends saying, I remember when Instagram did first launch and it was very much just a visual thing, you know. But mm. now it, I feel the balance has very much shifted and yes. I now feel really annoyed and shortchanged if somebody puts up a picture with no context. I want the words. It needs the caption or it needs a little bit of... But I, you can do a very short <clears throat> caption. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, I think the thing about Instagram, I mean, I do eat an awful lot of the same things. So sometimes mm. I feel, I mean, even on Twitter, I remember once someone said, um, you're what, uh, mother hens warn their chicks of, you know, because every day, you know, some sort of chicken being on my Twitter <laughs> feed or something. Uh, but, but I do feel largely, um, that it is, as you say, it's a diary and it's a very, good way of sharing your enthusiasms or something i mean i always try and do things that i find uplifting mm. because i think it can it can be a plate of food it can be a view yeah. and i like that i think instagram on the whole is quite a positive place yes and yeah. also being able to tag your pictures or tag one's cook pictures to you directly is almost like taking a tribute to the chef mm. and going I've made this, yes, and I madam. Like that. Could and you I, look yes, at this? And I yeah. do, and I like seeing that. And it means I can see what people have cooked, and that is such that's such an important and moving connection yeah. for me. I really love it. And in the same way as when I do book signings, and people come up and say, "Oh, I cook this every Christmas," or "This is how I, you know, this is what I do for every yeah. all my children's birthdays." It's there's something really. Um, Touching sounds too uh, sentimental. I think it means there's, there's a real connection there, yeah. and that's in a way what is so important in life. I mean, you touched on that. You you have kind of become synonymous with Christmas for many people as well. Uh, I mean, it's coming up to that time of year. You, mm. Are you daring to feel festive yet, Nigella? Well, I <coughs> have filmed part of my Christmas special, oh. so that always slightly disconcerting yeah. when I forget, and then you know October starts saying Happy Christmas for everyone <laughs> because I've been living in you know a world of you know tinsel red, and fairy lights. <laughs> I'm always living in a world of fairy lights. I always I have them at home all year round. Um, They're not just for Christmas. <laughs> no, certainly not. But I do. But I feel that um, you can really go overboard at Christmas. So yeah. I am. I'm gearing myself up. 
Yeah. I'm giving myself up very pleasantly. But before we get to Christmas, yes. we have to talk. Obviously, you are back with a new book and a new TV show at my mm. table. Tell us a little bit about, about both. What can I tell you? It's it's more of me. I mean, I always feel when people say what's new, I always say, well, I'm never going to be a different sort of person. But yeah. I, I suppose what I really wanted to do is talk about the sort of food that's that I've eaten throughout my life and how when you cook, I'm a home cook. I mean, it is sort of subtitled a celebration of home cooking. And a home cook, in fact, is often misinterpreted sort of publicly. People think, oh, home cooking, quite boring, quite a limited repertoire. But mm. actually, what happens is you have certain things you've eaten in your life, but then you come across some new ingredient and you start using that. So you give, you, you cook familiar food, but maybe you bring different ingredients to mm. it. And for me, that's very reassuring. So in a way, you're... It's it's a way of you bring the past, but you're very much in the present as yeah. well. I mean, and so it's that's it's that sort of food. It's cozy food, but mm. it's it's not heavy particularly. You know, sort of it's the sort of food that I just have on my table and feel that makes me feel I'm at home. I think yeah, having looked at the book and actually cooked from the book, um, it is it's very reassuring because I think what you've said is really true. It's not about reinventing the wheel, and I think sometimes people overcomplicate cooking in their heads, or they think. Mm. I think they've maybe had their fingers burnt by maybe using chef's books. And yeah. so it's been a bit too much. They've leapt in too deep, if you know what I mean. So I think this is actually really gr a great book for people mm. who think they can't cook. Because I, I very much disagree that people think they can't cook. I think people just had bad experiences. I do, and yeah. I think they mis they'd misunderstand. Whose phone is that? Oh, dear. Um, tsk, tsk. <laughs> it's yours. Oh, no, is it me? <laughs> That's so bad. I was telling Sorry about that, everyone. Um, but you, I think people misunderstand what cooking is. They think cooking is... Um, about uh, fiddly technique. I've got no technique whatsoever. The, for me, uh, cooking is about flavour. And you don't need to have, uh, you know, skill a skill set to boast about, which I certainly don't, um, in order to cook wonderful food. Now, and obviously, I think we're still living in this age, I don't know why, this hangover from when the only real cooking was thought to be French... Um, classic cuisine, which is all about, which not all about technique, of course it's m about more than that, but technique is a very important part of it. And you don't need to know to, uh, how to do diff difficult things. I mean, I'm a, I'm a cook, not a chef. I can't bone a fish. <laughs> my, you know, my carving is not brilliant. Yeah. My knife skills are non-existent. But that doesn't mean to say I can't make food that tastes good. Mm. And I, who's got time as well to do something which means you've got to be, you know, chiselling a carrot into the shape of a chrysanthemum? Yeah. Although, although that would be an amazing thing. <laughs> and I would be highly on board to learn that. And you're, you're right. There's this, there's this sort of still this creeping insistence that cooking has to be alchemy mm. rather than building blocks. And I certainly yes, think that one of, the, one of the yeah. hugest things that you've done for, well, for people like me and James and everybody else who's cooked with your books over the years has made it into that if you do one plus two, you'll probably get three, yes. unless you've really cocked up along the I way. Mean, but in a way, when you say alchemy, that's why I think baking is, is so yeah. wonderful. Because baking, you know, I always say about baking that it's a, it's a um, cross between chemistry and poetry. Mm. And I think that when you, when you cook a stew, which I do quite often, you have some idea that, you know, that the leeks and the carrots and the beef and the bit of red wine, you have some idea of what it's going to taste like from the raw ingredients. But there is something so transformative about baking mm. that somehow, that, you know, that the butter and sugar and flour and eggs turn into something that is so different and so magical. And I think we all as human beings do have a, 
a bit that uh, dream of transformation, and that's why I think a lot. Of, that's why I, when I wrote my baking book, you know, Domestic Goddess, in you know something like you know eighteen twenty, <laughs> um, it was you know people thought you can't do a baking book. No one did baking, which but, is crazy. But, now you look at Bake Off and you know, how but, it's become. But this. I really felt no, it, it speaks to us in quite a an important way for that very reason. Yeah. And I think that's why it is so popular. And it's also, I think, as you say, in this book, you know, baking is more of a science. So you, you need to be a bit more exact, whereas you can be a bit yeah. more free of hand, I guess. exact. But then when you've done it, like, you, know, you can't go, oh, I think I'll do three eggs this week. Mm. Whereas obviously you can add another carrot or leek or something when you're making something else. But you still, you learn. The thing is, the more you do of something, the more confident you get. People want to be super confident. Um... But without putting, you know, you just have to get competent first. Competent mm. is is not glamorous, but it is very important. And then you can you learn that you can put a bit of vanilla in it, but you don't want vanilla. You can put almond. You know, you can fiddle with flavors always. Yeah. But um, my sort of cookie, I've, what I think is, you've got to give people quite precise building blocks, but also get remind everyone that they can ignore them. Yeah, and also what I, I mean, what not I, ignore everything, but you know, yeah, to alter taste. You've got to take when I watch those cooking you know, reality shows and people don't taste as they cook. <laughs> yeah, no, true. But also I think what you do really well, Nigella, and, and, and especially in this book, I think, is you also give anecdotes. So even if you look at the recipe, like, and, I, and I'll say that I was flicking through the book and I'm thinking, mm, I'm not sure I, I fancy that. And then I read your description or the context with which you came up with the idea. And then that's what sells it to me. And I think you're really great at well, doing that. Well, a story in life, yeah. isn't it? And I feel for me, it, it, food can't be just a formula. It, it is a story and what, why it matters to me in my life and what, what it means mm. yeah well do check out the book it's called that my table and the new tv show is on monday's bbc2 at 8 30 um but right now Najella, we're getting on to real business now we're okay. going to start talking about some real sort of burning issues of the day and the okay. week are you ready okay yes. let's get in up first the most burning issue of the day and very much i think on brand for you nigella is it okay to be stuck in a food rut and when i say that i mean is it okay to basically eat or prepare the same thing again and again and again where do we stand on this i'm standing very quietly (laughs) because uh, having having literally just been talking about stew i was just like well that's what i'm making pretty much for the next six months until spring emerges um i i love cooking I, i really i really do but i find that if i'm if I'm really making an effort with cooking, I suppose, as we were talking about before, then it's normally for a dinner party or something mm-hmm. else. And so the rest of the time, I use it almost as like something to unwind with at the mm-hmm. end of the day. And that for me is stew. <laughs> I shove like what I, what, what I call a cooking film on Netflix. So something really soothing like Julie and Julia mm-hmm. or Disney's Enchanted. <laughs> and then just spend the next sort of hour and a half, two hours, just simmering things, adding more things. Possibly it could be a risotto. It could be, you know, something with beef. It could be mm. something vegetarian. But it's always got that cooking yeah. pot. And it's always just me having a lovely time in the kitchen and feeling my shoulders drop. But I think, you know, the thing about, you know, is it okay? Mm. I think that... In a way, anything is okay mm. if you feel happy about it. We're all different. And I think this thing of everyone feeling they're being judged in some way mm. or judging themselves, I think it's perfectly normal to have to rely on the same few dishes. Mm. We all do. I mean, my family are always teasing me that I'm about to roast a chicken. <laughs> and, um, you know, I make, you know, or I make, you know, I make a lot of soups. And so I, I, I'm always, you know, I've, I've been doing a lot of bean and barley soups recently. <laughs> um, and I think that's absolutely normal. When it's not okay is if it makes one feel b- bored. You know, if I suddenly feel like, 
oh, um, I, I, I'm doing it on automatic. I'm not mm. sort of being there. So I think that's why I think sort of cooking in a sort of normal way liberates you from that because in the end I have to use up what's in my fridge. So I may be in a sense, like you say, cooking the stew, a risotto, a soup, but each time I do it I'm going to be doing it slightly differently because I've got different vegetables to use up or for some, you know, different you know, I've got a teeny bit of white wine or a teeny bit of red wine or or whatever, whatever yeah. it might be, leftovers. I start from leftovers often. Mm. So that means, yes, you know, I am cooking very much the same sorts of things. I mean, in a way, we all tend to have certain styles of cooking. Some people like doing things on the hob. Some people are more sort of shove it in the oven. Mm. And But I but I think you vary it a bit. I think... I think what is what doesn't often work is when you think I'm going to do something different for its own sake, and then you, that's not right. Mm. But I certainly think that you know you have to cook in the way that sort of suits your life. Mm. Uh, yeah, I kind of hear you. I'm, I think. Do you think something like the advent of like online grocery shopping? Because I think what happens is people tend to just repeat order, don't they? So they're not really then pushing themselves in terms of you know maybe mixing up their actual raw ingredients. So mm. they don't. Yes. So they always have the well, same actually, basic I think, supply. I think what really makes a difference, and I did well, is being forced into being creative so like a vegetable box because otherwise you do tend to buy the same yeah. and then you're you actually have to use them and it makes you think in a slightly different way so i think that can be very that can be very a, a very way useful of way shaking of doing things up. it but i of shaking things up but i don't think it but i think you're probably the framework or if you like the skeleton of how you cook is always going to be mm. a bit the same and if you tr- do a new recipe you need you need a while for that new recipe to become part of the way you cook. You can't, you know, keep chalking up with that new recipe, that another one, another one, another yeah. one. And I think that's why all of us, when we buy a new uh, cookery book, we often do a recipe and then we like it and we do it again okay. and again before we move on <laughs> to, to the another next one. one. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I mean, I think as well, you know, I, I totally agree with you. There is, we, we play to our strengths or you ultimately, mm. you know, especially a, a lot of the time it's about simplicity. You haven't got mm. that much time. So, um, but I then, I guess, when I go out to eat, mm. I will then always try to push myself. Yeah. Like I would, I'm, I always say to myself, when I'm looking at a menu in a restaurant, I'll say, can I make that at home? And if I can, I would never order yeah. it. Because I think, what's the point? Yeah. And, and I get quite irate with some of my friends if we go out to a restaurant and they order pea and mint soup. Because yes. I'm like, that's literally at some stock, a bag of frozen yes. peas and some mint. Yes. You could do that. You're not going to spend six pounds on it. And, yeah. you, you know. Yes. So I get a bit annoyed with people when they sort of do that am I, am I awful for saying that no, but I, for saying I just that. think that's your opportunity to really then broaden your horizon slightly you you're know? right but I, but I also think doing that at home is, is in a way it's like a safe place mm. to, to do something slightly different and for me as well I like, quite like it when I there's something I'm frightened of cooking and I overcome that fear mm. yeah, you see. know because, because I think sometimes as, 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 I, as I said we all tend to cook in the same sort of way and that can be very relaxing but it can be confining so sometimes you need to just try something and, and at home you know what if it doesn't work it doesn't work but you've tried it and, and, and then it you realise really yeah. you know like my poached egg yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah, my fear of poaching eggs yeah, we, which I've always had oh, please, please expand yeah, on for those of you who don't know yet Nigella has devised a new way of poaching eggs well it's, I don't know that it's my way I've taken lots yeah. of different bits from other people's methods and so it's, I have rever- to, yeah, it's a revelation tell us about it yeah. well it is because I have always you know if I if I ever read a recipe that said you know to poach egg I would start feeling a bit flustered and I'd turn the page very very fast um, and very so, clammy hands yes quite, oh no, no I can't do that and, and in fact because I can't 
or I couldn't poach an egg, I always would just, and I've got asbestos hands, I would soft boil an egg and peel it and do that instead. Yeah. Um, but then I thought, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, and I tried lots of different ways. And I went through a thing of, you know, creating a vortex, mostly so I could say create a vortex. Okay. <laughs> um, but that didn't seem to work. And you can only do one egg at a time then. Mm. So, so I think key is the water shouldn't be boiling. Mm. It should be nearly boiling, but not, uh, but, you know, calm. Mm. And um, then I feel that, so a French person said to me, the thing about poaching an egg, it's about how fresh the egg is. And if it's not two days from being uh, laid, the egg starts going watery, the white goes watery. So you have to put it in a strainer and get the watery bit out. Mm. I don't do that every day. I only do it when I want something um, Instagram nice. pretty. Well, no, not even Instagram, <laughs> but say I'm an, if I'm doing my Turkish eggs or something, yeah. then I want to. But if I'm just, I don't mind a bit of straggle on my, on a bit of toast in the morning. But I think, so I think that, so I think the, the egg has to be cold from the fridge. I don't normally keep eggs in the fridge, but I keep some for poaching because it holds its shape more. Mm. Oh. Um, if it's in water, if I'm poaching it in a, like a curry, then I would have it room temperature, but that's a you know, different story. Mm. Um, then I crack it after I either sieve it if I want it to have no straggle and fluff or I put it in a cup and I put lemon juice which I prefer than vinegar or if I you know if I'm on the run I can put vinegar straight on the white so I don't put it in the water which makes the egg taste disgusting and doesn't work so this makes the white um, seem to sort of suddenly get hold itself even more and to keep its shape and then never put salt in the water and then I put the egg in very, very slow, you know, almost, you can't see no movement at all, just for about three to four minutes, about four minutes, and then it is perfect. And if you want to help it with a slotted spoon, you can make it curl itself mm. over. But anyway, it is perfect. But because the water is so low, I have so many times kept the flame on the water because oh. I've forgotten it's on. So I, when I wrote the recipe in the book, I had to say, remember to turn the flame off. Only I, because I, I often... I saw on. that note, and again, it was like you crawled inside my head because I do that a lot. Yeah. It's, and it's actually got... And if you live on your own, it's actually not a good thing to do, yeah. is it? It's like, you know... But, um, anyway, oh, that's been life-changing yes. for me. Small, it's these small things, you know? And let's be honest, everyone... If you're talking, if you're going to be stuck in a, in a food rut, be stuck in a poached egg rut because yes. they always are delicious yes. and amazing. So yes. in that case, yes, embrace your food rut and cook things again and again. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Right then, ladies. So sticking with our food themes, after all, we do have domestic goddess Angela Lawson with us. So up next, is it okay? I prefer Dalai Lama. Oh, sorry. I know. <laughs> you, you've officially been rebranded as the Dalai Lama of domestic. Um, I should trademark I'm that. Not very, I have to say, I'm not very domestic. I like cooking, but, yeah. you know, yeah. my ironing. I don't want to be looking <laughs> at that. I don't, I, now I just don't iron. I'm short-sighted, so I can't see the creases. Well, my theory is if you, if you hang most things straight away, yes. you don't have to iron them. I'm no. a big believer in that. I don't so. own an iron anymore. Oh. I have a steamer, but that's it. Also, yeah, I feel like I can't. Yeah. I changed my entire wardrobe to things that don't require yes. ironing, yeah. and my life is a million times that happier. Was, life Brilliant. is too life's too short to spend your life sweating over an ironing board, isn't it? So anyway, we digress. Yes, we digress. <laughs> Completely unlike us. So unlike us on this, but we never digress on hate, okay? Uh, Anyway, ladies, up next, is it okay to have a slight pathological hatred of fussy eaters? Nigella, where do you stand on this? you know what? I used to to get, shall we say, irritable. Mm. Um, Now I'm quite grateful because actually it's made me cook differently. I feel that I've, you know, I've come up with recipes I would never have cooked if... You know, if I hadn't had to, you know, if someone comes for dinner mm. and they can't have gluten, I'm not going to do um, a cake with gluten in it. Whereas normally, you know, I'm, I can eat as much gluten as you want to throw at me. Mm. But so in a way, I find it quite helpful. What I don't like is when people um, expect you to cater for whatever, you know, fad diet they're on at one time. Once I did have someone who wouldn't eat carbs, someone who would only eat carbs, someone, you know, went on like that, and I just thought, like, what can I do? There's nothing I can cook. In the Venn diagram, there was no crossover. But generally speaking, um, I think... the word fussy eater is, in a way, a problematic one. If you say that certain people have restricted diets... Mm. My own position is that unless unless you need to have a restricted diet for a medical reason, mm. I often think it can be problematic. Nevertheless, I want my friends to feel welcome in my mm. house, so I will cater to whatever they can or can't eat. And I like that. So, for example, um, I now find my, I, I'm quite interested in vegan cookery mm. because mm. I quite often uh, cook for people who don't eat meat and that seems to me perfectly reasonable you know in fact more than reasonable and it makes me think about food in a different way because you 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 get used to thinking oh I have that and then I have that on the side and that so actually I feel it's really opened my mind and and made me look at different ingredients and how to get texture because it's that variety of texture mm-hmm. that is the real challenge in in cooking when you have a restricted diet yeah. I think so I find it quite interesting and so I've got I, so, but as a matter of course now, I quite enjoy the challenge of, right, I'm going to do that and I'm not going to have any uh, wheat in that or yeah. I'm going to do, that's going to have no meat and how am I going to get that flavour? So for me, I, I rather, I do, I do quite enjoy it. And also if someone comes to me for supper, if I've got eight meat eaters or, you know, seven meat eaters and one vegetarian, I will do a vegetarian supper because I think it's very important that everyone in Joy and eats and shares the same food, mm. so I do find it quite actually quite exciting. Yeah. And the, the golden rule is, of course, they have to be upfront in advance. Yes, because I mean, has that happened to you where you've had someone come to dinner and then they suddenly present? Oh, I don't eat blah blah and blah. Well, <laughs> that that is quite difficult. And I did have someone once email me saying, um, and I, and I did, you know, about a day or two before, and I had 
you know, got the food, saying, oh, I don't eat red meat. And I thought, do you know what? I don't need to know that because that is just... That goes beyond... Uh, yeah, vegetarian, I understand. Mm. Someone has a medical thing. But just someone who... Don't eat red meat. Well, then just don't eat any... Just meat. don't eat any meat. Yes, yeah. I'm with you I on that. I think that was... That goes That's to, a foible. And then she didn't turn up. Oh, oh my God. That's even worse. Oh, she sounds awful. And I changed my... Everything. <laughs> oh, I know. Okay. We don't like her. We don't. Well, no, this, so she's this not been the, back. I, I find it fascinating when people are like, oh no, I don't eat red meat, as though that's the cure of everything. Because my first job after graduating with a modern languages degree was working in a meat packing factory. Mm-hmm. And, um, in I several have, languages. In several languages, yeah. indeed. Uh, Le Poulet et Degouton, you see. <laughs> but it was, it was just mind-blowing. And I haven't touched supermarket ham or mm. sliced mm. anything from there yeah. since. And I really try just to... To get stuff that is yeah. from somewhere yeah. decent. But vegan food, conversely, and I'm not vegan, I'm a very enthusiastic meat eater, has improved so much yes, they don't even like, in the last ten years. It's not called vegan anymore, it's called plant-based. Plant-based, oh, isn't it? Yeah. Plant-based yeah. eating. So but it's, but it's, yeah, it is, yeah. and it's very interesting. I mean, I love it, actually. I mean, I've, you know, it's, I do a lot. It surprised me. When I was going... When I did the index to the book, we did it. You, we do blobs. I don't think it's the right thing to say whether it's gluten-free, dairy-free, mm. vegan, vegetarian, and it's like doing bingo. You have to go through it, and it surprised me how many recipes were vegetarian and, and vegan. vegan. There's something mm. like just in savoury, it's like yeah. fifty-five or something, or thirty-five. I totally. Vegan. I think so, it's, yeah. so. You just do it without thinking in the normal run of things. Yeah. So I'm quite you know, happy about doing all that. I mean, I think. No, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think I'm with you in the sense that, yeah, be a vegan, be a vegetarian. You know, I mean, even pescatarians, I can kind of get my head around. But yeah, the, the, the mm. like I said, fussy eaters, I think, makes you feel like you're putting everyone in the same box. And that's not true. I, no. do, I I'm totally with you. I guess my thing is, in my head, when I think of a fussy eater, you only think of a small child, don't you? You think people, mm. kids who just don't want to look or they don't like the taste of And I say mm. that as a reformed, very fussy child mm. eater who now suddenly eats everything. Yeah. But, um, you know, but you know, there are some, even adults, still have that weird thing that if it doesn't look like how they expect it to look they won't try it I think mm. that's I think you've got to be very relaxed and not make people eat anything mm. when they come just I don't mind when people say they don't want to eat pudding that mm. doesn't bother me at all I think what I don't like um, the, how can I say this without sounding too contentious some people um, really just don't want to eat mm. for a variety of unhealthy reasons and instead of just making being clear about that, they say they can't eat this and they can't eat that. Mm. So what I don't want to do is make my menu suit them and then they're just pushing it around on a plate because they're trying not to eat. Anyway, yeah. That is a, that's problematic. And I can't tell you how many people as well, it makes me laugh, who say, like, oh, I don't eat... I don't want to have any pudding. No dessert for me. I say fine. And they're the ones who are sitting at the table when everyone else has finished. But we've all had a slice of cake mm. and they got a knife and they do one thin slice and then another thin <laughs> slice and they eat the whole cake. Exactly, there. yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, no, it's a funny thing, yeah. But I mean, I have to say, I mean, I, uh, there are some foods that I wish I could like. And Tell I feel, me. well, the, the, I mean, honestly, I do eat most things. But the one thing I can't, I actually feel really like bad for not being able to get my head around them is I can't eat oysters. I just can't handle it i think it's a texture oh, thing yes, but also yeah. people tell me then oh you know they tasted the ocean or you swallow them whole and i'm like well what's the point then i yeah. can't understand so it does bother me because i feel it i don't it, think you should be bothered no by that. i really don't i mean i think that um the things you should never say to people are you should eat that or you should read that yeah. in terms of it's good for you you know it's about pleasure and if it doesn't give you pleasure well mm. 
What's the point? I can't help but think that that's my one childish rebellion. I think I, I probably should try and go back to trying oysters again, but I had such a bad experience when I tried to eat it that one time as a teenager. Yeah. But I think Kat and I have to share this thing. We are, I think people are a bit scared of fish generally. Mm. You know, I mean, I don't buy a lot of fish, which is why when I go out, for yes. example, I will then yes. o- often push myself well, to order a fish option. Fish. Yeah. And I think shellfish scares a lot of people. But you had a good thing recently. Kat's discovered an incredible local fish. Oh, month. yes. And it's I, I didn't even realise it was the sort of thing that still existed. And so um, it's sort of sadly rather gone by the wayside because obviously we are now heavily in stew season. Um, but I every every Saturday I'd go and, and be like, can I have some of whatever on earth that is and how do you mm. cook it? Mm. I know. And that was amazing. That's so great. I know. I'm yeah. great. I've got a great fishmonger. Mm. But I always love it when saying, you know, what have you got in this morning that's good? Yeah. And that's yeah. a lovely way to cook it. And also, it's, But the same is true as is that old-fashioned thing of asking a fishmonger or a butcher how to cook something. They will always know. <laughs> Finally then, Kat Nigella, okay, is it okay to be a hoarder or to not like hoarders? Where, where are we on this one? I will have to contemplate this question while sitting on my pile of gold. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm obviously hoarding all the cash, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I see, I say this because I think I recently, well, not recently, a year ago, I moved into my new house and I think... Moving house is a very good way, isn't it, of just generally decluttering? Because the golden rule is you have to throw out a third, don't you? You move two thirds and throw out a third. Oh, Nigella's shaking her head at me on that one. (laughs) And so I think then starting from scratch almost in a new Mm. place, it kind of encourages you then to keep a nice, clear sort of shelf space and not, you know, accumulate. And I'm now quite ruthless about, am I really going to use that? No, chuck it out. You know, it's helped that mindset. But I am a terrible clutterer. Are you? And I can, and I moved, and I just, you know, I'm fine when I'm, li- you know, when everything's in store, and I'm, you know, don't have my stuff, I'm fine. I could live without it. The minute I see it in a box, I can't throw it away. <laughs> and uh, I, I've got clothes I haven't worn for 15 years. Oh, I can't wow. throw away. I, when I open my cupboards, I can't see what to wear because I can't even take anything out. But is this because and you love it all? No. Oh. <laughs> and no, so I can't wear it and I can't throw it away. So what and use is my it? Kitchen, and no, no, none at all. I, I think, I, I think next year I'm going to have to get one of those people who come and tell you off and make you throw yeah. things away. Um, I, they would be good. And I also, think. I have my kitchen clutter is yeah. too much. I love it, but I um, you know only just yesterday added to it. What are I, the most useless kitchen <laughs> utensils you have, <laughs> or that you've used once? <laughs> well, I I do give them away sometimes. I am quite good at that. I did once write a whole chapter called my my kitchen gadget hall of shame. <laughs> um, I'm forever buying you know a bit of nonsense. I've just bought a this. I bought a. Japanese ginger grater um, <laughs> over the weekend and um, I have used it whether I use it again I don't know but it's okay. not very big but then I still got to find where to put it um, and then I also find with things like I buy lots of you know I have things that I leave on the counter for too long so many bottles of oil and this and that and then I have to clean it and I feel this kitchen surface is you've gone you've gone me. counter blind because it's what happens it's, it's my other theory because I have friends who do this and they are terrible they'll put something in, in they'll push something to a corner and then they go, oh, I must move that. I'll move that tomorrow. And then they don't do it. And, and then, then it lives there permanently. And then suddenly they've just got a brown box living in the middle of their... Li- li- I and, know. and they go blind to it. And no. I'm like, why... Oh, God, you've looked at my house. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... And that's why I'm now very much... Oh, I've no. embraced this attitude. Right, you have to deal with it right now. Yes, but I don't know how to do the mid... I don't know how to be sensible. So I feel... Just get rid of everything. Everything. All or nothing, you know yeah. Just get rid of everything. And so oh. I almost feel... It's for what I 
find. I, I find decisions quite hard to make mm. of that sort. I make a lot of big decisions, but I find those sorts of ones quite hard. Mm. So I almost feel like saying, um, I'm going to go away for a week. Can you just throw everything away while I'm there? And I probably won't even remember what was there. Yeah. Not yeah. throw it away, give it away. Yeah. Um, and that makes me feel better if when I give it to a good charity, yeah. then I feel... Um, almost it's mean to keep it then. Yeah. So that's quite good to help one. But nevertheless, I don't know how to... I find the decision so difficult and I'm thinking, oh, what happens if I regret it? Yeah. Whereas if someone just went into my wardrobe, took everything out and gave it away, it would be yeah. easier. But what you said is so true. Maybe uh, you could uh, do if, it for if, me. <laughs> I will. <Yeah. laughs> I, I, I quite enjoy it now as well. But I think as well, you know, you, what you said about um, storage, anyone that's put stuff into storage, if you've been in between homes or anything, yeah. you literally forget what you've actually stored. And then when you I get know. the box back, you're like, why did I pay good money to store this crap? I know. <laughs> and now I'm making a mess with it. I mean, the only thing, you know, I feel is I hate, you know, I think I hate getting rid of books. Yeah. Because every book means something in some way, and that's difficult. But, you know, you run out of space. Mm. I mean, it's, you know, my floor is dangerous. Doubling up on bookshelves is quite handy. Literally, some of my friends have got bookcases that are two to three books deep. Yes. The, but then you can never find them to get... Yes, no, that's them. true. This is when you, this is when one needs to have like some kind of amazing cataloging system that I'm not even sure exists. No, I library. did that once, but it doesn't really exist. You just need enormous amounts of bookshelves, which yes. I have had yeah. and I don't now. So <laughs> consequently, you know, everything is you I, know, in I strange also, piles. I do think as well because I sometimes feel bad. We, we talked about this before in the podcast, having no hobbies. <laughs> But I do genuinely think if you have no hobbies, it makes it very easier to have a less cluttered life. Because if you think of it, most hobbies will require... I don't have hobbies and I have an incredibly <laughs> cluttered life. No, but I guess cooking is, I mean, well, it's a passionate way of life. And, but know, it, getting it, dressed is not a hobby. <laughs> that's true, yeah. And in fact, I nearly always wear the same... I, it's just like we were talking about, you know, being in a rut with cooking. I'm, I'm you know... I'm in a black jumper and black trousers <laughs> Every day. most of the time. Why? And then, of course, all my clothes are black. I need some sort of miners <laughs> light to be able to see what I'm getting out of the wardrobe. It's when, yes, you get all those slips that just look absolutely identical and you're like, this could be a yeah. cape, this could be an exceptional pair of palazzo trousers, or it could be a coat. <laughs> I'm going to bring in the elephant in the room, oh. who is Marie Kondo. Right. She of the sparks, uh, joy. I know. No, honestly, I just... Um, I, I, so I had I lots like and lots of stuff. I like the idea of it. Yes, Absolutely. But, and somebody had lent me lent me her book, and I was just like, this woman is mad. She says hello to a cactus when she comes in and thanks her handbags and puts them away at the end of the day. But the key thing that she also did was that whole thing of literally touching things, picking them up and go, does this give me a little burst of oomph? Like you were talking about with your books. I'm exactly mm. the same with my books, and I will probably be crushed by them one day. Mm. Um, but just that, that thing, it just it suddenly made it so much easier. Birthday cards. You know, I oh, mean, the, the, birthday, the, yeah. the throwing up the birthday card guilt. I mean, yeah. I have to say, I've got my head around that now. I don't feel bad about it at all. They're, they're up for maybe a few days and then they go in the recycling yeah. bin because, you know, there's just no point. When do you ever sit there and read back over? I mean, maybe, you know, sort of milestone birthdays you mm. might, but come on. Yeah, and in a weird way, so. that's why I kind of then cut myself some slack about not being particularly good at sending cards. Because <laughs> I just think, why am I adding somebody else's stress or guilt about then throwing out the card I've just sent them? All right, happy birthday, Scrooge. I know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a delight to have. But I think that you, so I have a um, compel repel thing about Marie Kondo, and I, I recommended her book to several people. I've never read it very far, and in fact, I have a very messy pile, and it's got that, whatever it's called, <laughs> on it is the, know, irony. The, the magical art of tidying up or something. But that thing, you know, not everything can spark joy. Some things you just need them, and that's, I don't know, and in the wrong mood, when I get so flustered, 
having to make yeah. the decisions that nothing it's nothing will spark joy that, not one thing that said my passport sparks joy every time i see it because i'm like oh thank god i haven't lost it yeah. <laughs> if you can get yeah, if you're if we you wouldn't can, want you to be throwing that away yeah anyway. if you can still find your passport on your house you're not that bad, bad of a hoarder basically i also think if you you're only truly a proper grown-up i think if you do that thing where you actually then you know declutter your wardrobe every six months but i mean i have a box of things that say what did i find a box which you said something like um you know bits things that don't fit, go fit anywhere else <laughs> why did i keep so i didn't know where to put things when i was going through i just put it in a separate box i really want to kept the box i really want to see what's in that box i'm really yeah. intrigued yeah um <laughs> but we could basically talk about this all day quite frankly we could ha- hoard all these memories but sadly we must draw the show to a close um it's been fabulous to have you nigella thank I you so it. much for joining us um do check out um nigella's amazing new book at my table and her tv show uh, it's on bbc2 um, 8 30 on monday evenings so right. do join her then um and thank you so much much for joining us um, on Hate's OK. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.